All right, this morning we're going to be back in the book of Romans, uh, continuing our study in chapter 2. Um, we've been talking about the six principles by which God judges, the six concepts, the six things that God uses, guidelines He uses when He judges people. Uh, and we begin, and I'll just begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 16 and then we'll get started into the study uh, therefore thou art inexcusable O man whosoever thou art that judges for wherein thou judgest another thou condemnest thyself for thou that judgest doest the same things but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath, against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of, of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also the Gentile, but glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God, for as many as have sinned without the law shall perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearer of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, but by faith, that, but do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves which show the work of God written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Let's pray once again. Father, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word this morning. And Father, we ask that you'd prepare our hearts to receive your word. And Father, we ask that, that all the places that your word is preached today, that you would save many people across this world. And Father, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we started this study, it's been months ago now, but we began uh, talking about the six principles uh, by which God judges. And God judges according 
the first principle is that God um, judges according to knowledge. God has disclosed the standard for judgment. When a person judges another, they claim knowledge of the truth, and their judgment condemns them. The second truth is that God judges according to truth. God, who cannot lie, always judges according to truth. God judges in righteousness, and God sees the heart. And that was in verse 2. In verses 3 through 5, we saw last time that God judges according to guilt. There is no one exempt from the judgment of God. Sometimes, at least I thought that I could read a passage in God's Word and say, well, huh? that doesn't apply to me. But it does. It applies to all of us. There's no one exempt from the guilt and judgment of God. We are guilty of abusing God's goodness. Talks about in verse 4, he says, it's because of God's goodness that he, he uh, endures and doesn't judge us as soon as we commit sin. You know, that's the amazing thing that God is patient with us. He would have every right to just wipe us out every time we sin or for the first sin that we committed. But he doesn't do that. And we get used to that idea and think that we can just sin and God's going to be okay with it. And that's abusing God's goodness when we do that. A hard heart. We talked about a hard heart last time in verse 5. That a hard heart builds up wrath upon wrath upon wrath against the day of judgment. And where we're going to be at this week is that God judges according to deeds. Verses 6 through 10. And the other... Uh, Things that God judges by, he judges by, he judges impartially. And the last principle is that he judges by motives. So let's go ahead and we'll get started in our section here. God uh, judges according to our deeds. Um, and I'll just read those to remind us again of those. Um, verse 6, it says, Who will render to every man according to his deeds? Notice there that he says to every man according to their deeds. In verse 7, it says, To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek glory and honor and immortality. Let's understand that Paul is not, nor am I, suggesting that we're talking about a work salvation. Paul's not talking about that. He's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about the bad news, so to speak. The bad news is that we all face judgment. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Sometimes we as Christians like to think we're exempt from that, but we're not. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Where all of our works are going to be judged. 
In 1 Corinthians, it says that we're going to, some of our works may be burned up because they're built of wood, stay and stubble, wood, hay, and stubble. But some of the other works will be precious stones and gold and silver, but we'll still be judged. And he's not talking about a work salvation here because the Bible doesn't teach the works salvation. Paul has not gotten to salvation. He's not talking about salvation yet. We need to, we need to understand the bad news first. And that's where Paul starts. He starts with the judgment, the coming wrath. You know, John the Baptist said that many when they... He was preaching out by the Jordan River, out in the wilderness, and he said, Who hath warned you of the wrath to come? And that's what Paul is doing. He's warning us of the wrath to come. We are at the place, every, we're at the place in this book where everyone is condemned and without hope. When we read in this section, we understand that there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. That's the point of this section, that we are without hope. You see, we need God's righteousness to get into heaven. We can't rely on our own righteousness or our own goodness. This is the point. We do not have what it takes to get into God's heaven. It is purely an act of God for everyone and anyone for salvation. There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10 through 12. It says, as it's written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They all are all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth, no, not one. Romans 3, 10 through 12. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. Grace is a free gift. And it's apart from any good that we have on our own. It's not by righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost, Titus 3, 5. You understand that salvation is not based on our righteousness. We don't come to God with a little bit of our good and he makes up the rest. No. We're sinful and we deserve eternal punishment. Salvation is by faith alone, but the faith that saves is not alone, someone said. You understand what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about here. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to get this picture in your mind that we're standing there and God has a perfect record of everything that we've ever done every thought that we've ever had and it's revealed to us and they're laid out there in front of all to see 
what condemnation are we going to feel? Are we going to realize the debt that we owe? How bad we are. We're bad to the core. That's the judgment. But praise God for those that have trusted Christ. They've trusted Him. And He says, I've forgiven you of that debt that you owe. Praise God for that. Amen, y'all. Amen. Amen. That if you trust Christ, you don't get the penalty that we deserve when we're standing in front of him in judgment. And I say standing. I don't know what position we'll be in. But we'll be in present in front of him. I don't know if we'll be on our face or kneeling or standing or what. But we'll be in front of him for judgment. And when he says to you, if you've trusted him, you are forgiven. You will understand the glory of God then. We can only get a glimpse of what God's glory is all about here. But there we'll fully understand. We'll be able to stand around the throne of God and the throne of Jesus and cast down our thrones and worship him for what he's done and see how glorious it is. You understand that a lost person, everything he does is not necessarily bad. He does some good things. And for a saved person, everything a saved person does is not necessarily good. But it's not our good that gets us in front of God and saves us. It's the good that Christ has done for us and that he freely offers that for sin. Our sin, my sin, and your sin. <clears throat> Salvation is by faith alone. But the faith that saves is not alone. We kind of mentioned... Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, a moment ago, that it's not by works that we've done, but it's His mercy and His grace. But it goes on to say in verse 10, it says, but we are created unto good works. That's one of the marks of a Christian is that when they come to faith in Christ, they have good works. Uh, James the book of James sheds some light on this. And if you will, turn over to James chapter 2. And we'll look at some verses there that helps us to understand what Paul is talking about here. <clears throat> James chapter 2, in verse 14, it says this. God's word says this. It says, What doth it profit, my brethren, Though a man say he hath faith, and have not works, 
Can just his faith save him? It's a good question. Can just your faith alone save you? Verse 15, it says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of food, of daily food, and you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Verse 17, even so, if it hath not works, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man say, may say, thou hast faith, faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You see, when we're standing in front of God, one of the marks that for God is to see our works. See our works that are righteousness. And you may ask, what is a righteous work? What is righteousness? What is it? It's a good question. Paul is in agreement with James. God will render to every man according to his deeds. God has a perfect record of every person's deeds, every work. It is those deeds that for which we will be judged. A lost person is not necessarily totally bad, and the saved person is not totally good. The difference is motive. The difference is the reason for those deeds. The difference is the reason for those works. The difference is the reason or purpose for the things that are done. It is not the good that someone does. It is the motive for the good that they do that makes the difference. And what's the motive of a Christian? There are a lot of motives, but the motive that is righteousness is doing it for the glory of God. You understand that everything we do, the Bible says, whatsoever things you do, do it for the glory of God. It's everything. And that's the difference. A lost person doesn't do anything to glorify God. And when God judges, when we're standing in front of God, when every person is standing there in judgment, that's one of the things that God's going to be able to see in the record. Pastor Jim did one thing in his whole life that glorified God. He's going to look at you and say, you did this for my glory, and you did that for my glory, and you sacrificed this for my glory. Understand that that's why God made a way of salvation is for his glory. It's for his glory. That's why it's not of works lest any man should boast. It's his glory. It's his righteousness that saves us.
It's God's glory that is important. You see, it's God's glory that he freely offers salvation to all that believe on his son. We cannot glorify God with, a, with our own goodness. We can't. It is only after God has done a miraculous work in one's heart that we can do righteousness. It's after salvation. It's after God gives us a new heart. He takes that heart of stone out and puts a new heart in. He gives us a new life. He regenerates us. There's just a lot of ways the Bible describes it. But it's a new heart. It's a new life. It's a new creation. <clears throat> then that one can seek after God. Then seek his glory. Then they can seek honor. Then they can seek immortality. That's what he's talking about in verse 7. He says to uh, Romans 2, 7, it says, To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. You see, that's what a Christian does. They seek righteousness. They seek after immortality. They seek after eternal life they seek for glory god's glory in verse 10 if you drop down it's just a restatement of the same thing it says but glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the jew first and also to the greek you understand that that's what the christian does he seeks after god's glory he seeks after god's honor he seeks after God's peace to every man that doeth good, worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Only a saved and redeemed person can glorify God. Seven, Romans 2, 7 and 10. And this is what will be evident in the deeds of a redeemed person. Works of righteousness which call will be the cause for God to let them to enter in God's heaven. The lost do not glorify God. They cannot. Because they haven't trusted him. They haven't glorified him as God. Many of them don't even believe there is a God. Or they don't want there to be a God. We talked about in Romans that in Romans 1. They don't want a God to rule over their lives and their hearts. <clears throat> They've never been washed. They've never had the washing of regeneration. They've never had the washing of renewing of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the Holy Spirit in one's life that makes the difference. The lost person follows his own way, and he does not glorify God. He has not submitted to the washing of the Holy Spirit. Romans 2, 8 and 9 said this, that, but unto them that are contentious, he's talking about the lost person, 
and to them that do not obey the truth, the lost person, but obey unrighteousness. That's what a lost person does. They un obey unrighteousness and indignation and wrath. In verse 9 it says, Tribulation and anguish upon every soul that doeth evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. You understand that the lost person does what's right in his own eyes. He does what benefits him. He does what can further his agenda. He does what brings him up the ladder. That's what a lost person does. That's a person's motives. That's what God judges is our motives. How do we check our motives? How do we check our deeds if they are God's to God's glory? How do we do that? Well, turn over in your Bible a very familiar verse in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. This is the motives verse. I want to give it a title. Hebrews 4 and verse 12 says this. God's word says this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. Now God's word can divide our soul and spirit. You know, if we're asked, if I'm asked, how do I define my soul and spirit? How, how are they different? I'm not going to be able to give you to do a good answer for that. It's hard to define those two and separate them, but God's, God's word can. And the joints and marrow is like dividing bones up. You now in my life, I've, I've quartered out game. I've quartered out hogs and deer and turkey and a lot of things. And you can cut a deer or turkey up in chunks by just cutting through the joints. I mean, you don't have to stick a whole deer in your freezer. You can cut it up at the joints and put it in smaller packages. That's what he, he's, he's given us an example, a metaphor of how God's word works. And it's like cutting, cutting up game or cattle into pieces. He can divide those things, our soul and spirit. Then here's the motives part. He says, and is the discerner and then thoughts is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts that's our motive that's a Christian's motive when he wants to glorify God that's the motive of a, un, a lost person that God's word can discern between I ask you right now what are your motives for doing things what are your deeds do they, do you do them for God's glory? Maybe you're here because your parents brought you. 
you don't really have a choice. Your parents say, get up, get dressed, we're going to church. Or they might have said, get up, we get to go to church today. We get to sing God's praise. We get to worship God today. Maybe that's why you're here today. And if it is, the reason they do that is to teach you how to worship God. It's not to make you miserable. It's to teach you how to worship God. It's to teach you to worship the living and true God. It is teach you that God's glory is valuable for your life. So learn, young people, kids, learn how to worship God. It's valuable for you. Learn the importance of God's glory. And one of the ways you do that is coming to church and worshiping with your brothers and sisters, worshiping with your church family. It's because of God's glory that he freely offers salvation to you. It's because of God's glory that he does not wipe us out when we sin against him. It's because of God's glory that we have his word written in our heart language. We have God's word in many forms, many formats that we can read it here in America. It is for God's glory that he gave us a command to take his word and make disciples across this world in every tongue, in every language, in every tribe. It's because of God's word, it's because of God's righteousness that he judges our deeds for his glory. Let's stand and we'll pray. If you're here today and you are here today and you never trusted Christ as your savior, I asked you to do that today. I ask that you would turn to him in repentance and faith because you're giving another opportunity today to do so. And I ask you to do that. Turn from your sin. Turn from seeking your own way and seek God's way. Turn to him in repentance and faith. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given it to us, that we can read it, and we can handle it, and we can share it. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. And, and because of that, you hold us more accountable to talk of your goodness to others who haven't heard, who do not understand but it's all for your glory. And Father, we thank you for that. And we ask that everything that we do, every part of our life, we will seek to do it for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So let's remain standing for our last song.